welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen wickiam yeah she used to work in er and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah Hello, 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 everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments. And I am your host, Karen Wickham, coming to you from beautiful Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I am really excited about today's show because I have a guest on. And this guest is none other than Ashley Lecker, who is, is it, do you say it Lecker or Lecca? Lecker, yep, you, have it, you said it right. Okay, um, because... I'm sure you know, I looked up, um, lecker means yummy in German. Yes, it does. And it's my husband's, it's my married name. Um, and so, yes, we have, and in our house, we have a couple of different, like, German, like, lecker, like, poster types of things that he has. And so, because um, my, maiden, my maiden name is, is, is uh, Dutch, it's Raymaker. So, but yes. Yep, last name. Well, it was um, meant to be name. for for what you yep. your interests are. I just thought it was kind of cool. So, yes. Ashley is the author of the Serial Killer Cookbook, which I think is probably one of the coolest thing coolest books out there. Um, thank you. And you're a real Renaissance woman. Why don't you tell everybody like you are involved, um, have so many interests, but I mean, you've lived a really interesting life. So can you just tell everybody about yourself? Sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, I kind of, I've done a lot of different types of things that are, you know, not always related, but sort of that's brought me here. I'm, I live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I live with my family here. I have two boys who are eight and five and my husband. Um, but what I started off doing is really, I started off working in politics where my, where I started working, I worked for the House of Representatives. I also did advocacy um, through the county, through nonprofit work. And then I um, have my teaching license. I'm like, I teach either English or social studies all the way from 6th to 12th grade. And that's actually currently what I'm doing is teaching. Cool. And, so, and then also um, blogging and, and writing, too. So it's been a, you know, it's just I always, I tell my students this, too. I'm like, you know, you never, never pass up chances to do something different or to incorporate things that you already love because a lot of things can be strung together. And, uh, you know, take those chances to learn how to do something different because, you never need to be stuck in one place. That there's always options. That's an, an amazing. That's an excellent um, um, lesson to teach them, or you know, guide them. Because you're absolutely right. Uh, that you may have a love for something that can, you know, might start off as a hobby and then do something completely different, but somehow they can they can come together, and that is um, that's a great lesson to teach. Um, yes, they can. I always tell them I left high school like looking to do equine science because I also showed horses when I was younger too. Whoa. And I ended up with right. I ended up doing political science instead of working in Congress. And so it, things things change and things that you never knew you were interested in. Now I teach and I also talk about true crime and I make delicious recipes too. So you never. It depends where you start. You don't always land in the same spot, but. That's okay. <laughs> Have you ever thought about doing a podcast? Because you could do like a, a true crime cooking podcast. That would be really fun. I actually, I have. Or a video, like um, uh, a YouTube thing. I, I could just totally see that you cooking like a last meal talking about a serial killer. Sorry, I just, I, I, I just get all no, excited about things. I would love to do that. I have thought about that. I just haven't like had time to like put the pieces together to make something like that happen. And You've so got so much going on. In my head, it probably sounds way more. In my head, I always think it's probably way a lot more, like a lot of things, like a lot more work to put together than it is, and like everything else, it's just sort of press, press, um, perseverance and interest that keeps anything going. And so, like I, and so I, I thought about it. I've just never like taken the steps to see what I would need to do to do to create that. Well, it's not a lot like you're lying around your house eating bonbons all day. 
you've got a yeah. lot going on in your life. Pretty much. Watching the British baking show or something on like, or some kind of serial killer documentary, it's usually alternating between those things. Uh, I love it. I, I think it's so cool. I remember I sort of came out of the, um, uh, the, the true crime closet in my uh, 30s because I was like, people are going to think that I am a terrible you know, human being. But now, now I'm just like, yeah, I'm talking about it. I, right. I, I love to talk about it. For me, it's all about what causes it. Mm-hmm. You know, how did, I, and I think that's yeah. for a lot of people, but it's funny. I, I, I just happened to be looking for, you know, a crazy, call it, call me crazy for a, a new true crime book to read. And uh, I was on Amazon and then I see your book. I'm like, no, this can't be for real. And uh, I showed it to my wife, and she goes, that's morbid. And I'm like, yeah. Yep, it is. And it then is, I... And you know, I, funny, there's a lot of us out there, too. No, there are. Like, and yeah. uh, I've, I've seen things like, um, you know, on, on, online about uh, last meals for um, on death row. But I've never seen it put together. I think you, this must be a one-of-a-kind book. It is. There's a couple others that are out there that are similar, but they didn't. Um, or they'll just have a couple things. Like I've seen some photography projects people have done with last meals, but it, it doesn't have as many people as we included. And this doesn't even include like this. And this is just a fraction of the people who we could have included um, when looking at all of the different people that that were options. And I know there's a lot of true crime lovers out there. I mean, you know, it's just it's and. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of us out there, and there are definitely people who think we're we're a little weird, or they just don't get into it, and they're like, oh, I don't know. But so I say, some of them haven't come out of the the true crime closet yet. I think so. I think, or they they haven't like this kind of. Sometimes I think it's just there's a couple cases that people initially start with, and then that kind of like brings them down. You know, they start to snowball then with it and want to learn more. when we, you know, when they start to look at, because usually it's like that someone always has that kind of like that first case that they get really interested in and they keep watching of it and they keep looking and wanting more information. And so and it gets them into the, into really enjoying true crime. Well, it's, it's funny. My order parents, mine watch lawn, a lot of, my parents watch a lot of law and order. Okay. So, I, I was growing up so it's hereditary. So I think it was probably just having that, them watching that all the time that I, I remember. Well, my um, my wife is very wholesome. Um, she's a massage therapist, and she's all very, you know, a very wholesome person. And the other day, yeah. we were watching something, and she goes, "Isn't that Ed Kemper?" And I'm like, "What? You know the name?" So now she knows all these names of serial killers and uh, different cases, and right. she says, "Like I, um, you know, I've I've tainted her." Yes, she could be the color killer. Good for her. Yeah. So I'm just like, um, you know, but I'm like, isn't it? It's the brain part of it. It's the how does it happen part of it. And I think that's what fascinates her as well. And so now we'll watch something. And I'm like, are you sure you want to watch this? Because, you know, it it might be a bit much. She's like, yeah, no, I'll I'll see. (laughs) So. Yeah. And then when she saw your book, she was like, no, this is really cool. So I guess she didn't really understand. Um what it was all about to begin with. Um, okay, so, I mean, so I, I saw saw your book and I ordered it immediately. And I put it out there on my Facebook page and people, because I was really kind of trying to show Mary that I'm not, you know, too morbid. And the response was, I'm buying mine right now. <laughs> Good. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so a couple. It's a good time of year too. It's right? it's or, oh yes, to, uh, it's a great Christmas gift. Gift, absolutely. So okay, so this book is beautifully morbid and deliciously executed. Do you see what I did there? Yes, I like that. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it down. I'm like, that was really good. I, I'm gonna have to say that as as punny as it is uh, or not. Um, <laughs> So as I'm looking through the book, there's so many things that I find. It, it's the picture. The photography is beautiful. The recipes are amazing. It's it's just so beautifully professionally done. And the trivia is is incredible. 
So how did you come about wanting, like putting it together as, as you did? So, um, when uh, the starting, the process, the first part of this was when I was, well, actually, um, Claire from Ulysses Press contacted me and was just like, you know, you, would you be interested in doing this type of a book? Um, but I talk about true crime sometimes in my blog and, um, I said, yes, I would love to do that type of book. Like where, like, what are we going to, like, how do we start planning? So we started planning and what's the first, the first thing that we did was identifying who we were going to highlight in this book. And I wanted to have a variety. I know some of the things, like, I, le- I also learned, like, as I did, like, did this because um, I, I learned that, like, many people thought that, that, that there's quite a few ice cream recipes in there, which there are. There's some definite trends of taste preferences. Yeah. People, incarcerated people. Um, and very nostalgic, too. But, so, trying to pick a... People who we, I could research enough to be able to find information about them, because sometimes that's a little trickier, it's depending on the person. And then also having a good variety of food in the book, because um, regionally, with the, with the death penalty um, and execution, they are not, every state does not have it in the United States. And so really many of the concentration of it is in the southern part of the United States. So there's definitely a lot of southern food in that book in the book and so kind of looking through the people of who what were some of the stories that we could highlight um and what were some of the recipes to give a variety to the reader um without being too redundant and so as you can see ice cream was always a huge thing i mean and i think a lot of that nostalgic food is just that it's not surprising to me that if somebody is really having their last meal there's a i mean who doesn't who doesn't love ice cream? I well, mean, that's, that's the thing. It's it's all comfort food. That's I mean, that's the sense yeah. I got from it, other than maybe one or two yeah. things. Um, and so I've never heard of um, no churn ice cream before. Yeah. I just think about the churned ice cream. And then I'm like, okay, yep. let's check this out. And I'm, I'm 100% making every flavor of it that I can come up with. Yeah, it's so easy. Great. And it's like all dense. It's not full of like air and oil and stuff. It's going to be like almost like dense, like yeah. gelato, but ice cream. Yeah, it's a really dense, like really like a scoopable ice cream, which is really good. So and I'm excited so about that. No yeah, and there's some interesting think- things in there, things that people wanted that were, you know, different than what we would, you know, somewhat different than what we would than what we would think about. Um, like we have the person with the SpaghettiOs that we made. Those noodles were so hard to track down because SpaghettiOs have two different size O's. Really? Them. And so, <laughs> yeah, know. there's the larger circle and the smaller circle. And okay. So finding the different sizes <laughs> was challenging, but I found them. And so eventually, but, and so it was, that was a fun one to make. But yeah, and so the process of going through and doing research on these people who are, who are in here, a lot of that because because people on death row who are facing execution are usually in the in the news and the media because it's a it's a bigger event when they do these things. Um, so finding information about them was there's lots of there's lots of different types of books out there. There's a lot of, like news reports from the different areas that they live in. Okay, um, all of that's public. And so to be able to read through and see what the details were, and some people are obviously very famous like Ted Bundy and John Wayne Gacy, like. And so it is not difficult to find information on them, certainly. Well, I, that's I, I think the variety of um, of of uh, killers in here it's excellent because you go from. Is it okay if I talk about the a book a, a bit? Because I don't want to give too much away. Yeah. I want people to. I'll, I'll I'll keep it on the on the download a bit, but um, I just you have killers that go back to the late eighteen hundreds all the way yeah. up to pretty recent. So I think that's really cool because it gives you a great, um, like a very famous death row people that are serial killers to someone that is not as well known. So I learned a lot just reading through the book. Yeah, like one jumps out to me is like Fritz Harman, which is, he's German and he was known as the vampire of Hanover and he died in 1925. And so he's one of our, the ones that went back further and there's a few that are like that. And it's interesting to see how their last meals kind of vary a bit too. Um, Based on where they live, right? 
houses from where they live and also the time too because his was just he wanted just like coffee and like I think a cigar yeah yeah and then going to people who are more recent like we have people who just like it was like quantity of like how much can I like I think offhand one of them and there's Lawrence Russell Brewer who is people know who he is typically because he's the one who ordered just that ridiculous amount of food He's the one that um, ruined it for anyway. Texas uh, Last Meals, right? He did, and that was in 2011. So that was pretty recent. But yeah, he ruined it. For, he ruined it kind of for Texas. For they don't let people. Um, essentially, your last meals, whatever's on the, like on the calendar that day. So the, he like ruined it for all the next death row patient people. So right, he's a sick bastard yeah, to begin he, with. But then he's like a ghost of the prison because they don't have to have prison slot. People must have been so annoyed with him yeah. like, because then he ordered a third amount of things. Like, and he was pretty like, a, he was, a, I mean, they're all awful, like really the people in here, but he was particular. He was, the reason he was there was because of a hate crime. And so against, um, uh, again, against the, um, a black man named James Bird. Mm-hmm. So, he was, and he was never a remorseful person for what he did, and so he was not a not a good person, anyways. Before he decided to ruin the last meal, but he was a pretty bad person prior to that too. Oh yeah, he's just a, a, a the worst human kind of human being out there. And uh, I'm just looking right now at his last meal, and it's absolutely ridiculous. So ridiculous. <laughs> I could so see ridiculous. someone ordering a lot and saying, "Okay, well, I'm going to share it with some of my." you know, death row people. But then we're talking about death row people yeah. that probably don't want to share. <laughs> right. And there were people that did share. Um, not a lot. Because it probably depends on the prison, or like the state that they were in, what was allowed. Um, but there is, there are some that did share. Typically, who would they be sharing with, like, um, they would share with, like, other people or maybe, like, their attorney or whoever, you know, say, yeah. things like that. And so some did that, but not... Not usually. They, they, and that could have been because they weren't allowed to, or just because they didn't want to. Yeah. Um. So who's okay? I just have to point this one out. Who's the creepy dude that ordered just one olive? Oh, what's yeah, his problem? That, um, so that was Robert Anthony Buell. He, you know, I think sometimes it was to make kind of a stand for them, like themselves, because he wanted just an olive. We did, so what I made is I did like a single olive top nut for like the the recipe that I it's created. It's delicious. I, I yeah, looked at this I, and I'm like, for the creepy guy that said one olive, you've turned it into like an amazing looking recipe, which I, that's why I just thought it was so cool what you did. It was, and I love, like I love olives like Same. so much. Like they're one of my favorite things. And so, um, and so, yeah, so the single olive tapped on. He was, I'm not sure why he did that, you know, and that's the tricky thing of researching some of them is that they don't tell anyone. They just, because they're, they're, they're narcissists. I mean, it's yeah. like, I can't imagine there's one that's not really. And so I think sometimes they just do things just because, just to do, just to be like, just to kind of prove their point in a way, like either order obscene amounts of food or order something really strange to just be like, I don't care. Yeah, so, something they're making some kind of thing that makes them stand out, uh, uh, you know, above mm-hmm. other people. And there was a right. quite a, a sophisticated one I was looking at. I'm, I'm just, oh, sorry, um, I just hit my mic stand. I was just flipping through. Um, I'll see. I'm gonna look for it and see if I can find it. Okay, so here's one of the questions I wanted to ask you. What would be your last meal? Oh, I and I I get asked this often. I would say. And I feel like it changes, and so I would okay. assume for some of these people that it probably changed for them too, depending on where they like. It always it seems to change for me at like the time of year too. Um, yeah, I can because get that. I think I would do. Oh my gosh, what would I do? I think that I would. Pro- I'm from Wisconsin. Like we do a lot of like grilling of foods, um, <laughs> and I think I would. De- and we have lots of cheese, so I would definitely have to have some kind of cheese. Oh yeah, I would want like really good pickles because I love pickles too. <laughs> I love pickles too. Cool. Um, I think I maybe would do like like a. I think I would maybe just like grill some bratwurst and have that with like or a charcuterie. <laughs> yeah, a really good like old like a, an old fashioned like drink like and so I think I think maybe I would go that direction. Oh, you'd be very fancy. So I feel like 
Yeah, I feel like it kind of, I feel like it depends on what I, like, some days I would just, like, I would just want, like, spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Today. I was looking. I would probably, I think I would want that. There's, um, there's a place in, um, where I live that makes these, like, they do these, like, German chocolate Bismarck Um, donuts that are, like, my, one of my favorite things I think I'd want. I've heard of those. (laughs) It's like it's filled with like a custard, and on top they do like a caramel and coconut and chocolate thing. It's oh, really good. That's dangerous. <laughs> You'd have to have one of those yeah. for sure. Um, I, know. I was um, so I was looking through the book, and obviously, I mean, why would why I, I just say things that are so obvious sometimes? So I, I decided to pick out the meal that would be mine related to the ones that are in the in the book. And so I figured, I'm just looking at my notes here. I would relate to Ronnie Lee Gardner. Oh, okay. He's, yeah, let me look at what his. Lobster tail, steak, apple pie. You know, I'm just like, uh, yeah. Lord of the Rings films too. Like he requested that. Like I feel he was actually thinking. He was like, "What can I do that will be an experience for me?" My last day because he requests to watch the Lord of the Rings film while he's eating this. Yeah, he is like, and he was so like, he is such an extreme individual too. If you read about him, of just like, if he um, was part of was part. Well, he said he was part of the Mormon Church because he had. But they have refuted that too. There's been some back and forth about them being like, no, he didn't do these things because he, you know, and so yeah. Yeah, he, was a, he was really like a really extreme person. Well, so, when he, I read about him, I, I kind of made me sad a bit because of his, I tried to divide the, the, the child that they were to the monster that they become, because I think there's a divide there. Um, you know, I think some people are born evil, quote unquote, but they're still children, you know, and whatever happens between the two, um, it's like Heather's podcast, Nature versus Narcissism, which, yeah, which is it? And so I, I think about some of the things that they experienced that could have led to, and I just see this, this guy, you know, wanting to watch Lord of the Rings, which makes me think, is this like sort of like, like a kid in him that I don't know. Maybe I looked in it too much, but it was sort of like. Do, do you know where I'm going with that? Yeah. yeah, like he, you know, and he was subject to some pretty severe abuse, both physical and sexual abuse, and exposure to drugs at a young age as well. And so he had a lot of issues that were, you know, that caused just in those formative years. Of so, really, it's difficult to know what he would have been like because he was also in and out of institutions and so he never had any kind of normal you know his childhood was not normal oh it was horrific that it was really bad um and multiple like multiple escapes from different facilities and and jail too and so he was not you know he was isolated for a lot of a lot of time as well the fact that he got out of so many um you guys should uh look up this this guy um Ronnie Lee Gardner, you know, go, go check him out. The, in fact, I was thinking of maybe even doing an episode. I know it's not medical, so to speak, but because it is in a sense of mental health and abuse, I, the, I find this case, um, really interesting just because of, you know, you know what I mean? Being a true crime person, it, it sounds morbid me saying that, but just what leads to that. And then how, you know, how he was able to escape and the things that he did, like, it's almost like, there was no end to what he was willing to do. No, I mean, he was not, I mean, he was, and he was going to be violent within the prison as well when he was there. And so, um, and he ultimately wanted to have a firing squad because he had claimed a Mormon background and they have, which is, there's a belief within Mormonism of blood atonement, ah. which is essentially that a crime is bad enough that, the person who is the criminal, their blood has to be spilled, is what the... And so he requested a firing squad, which was when they... they I think there might still be a state or two that allows those. I don't think it's something that they really, like, want people to do. So I'd have to look up and see if there's, if there's still any states that allow it. But he... When they would do those, they would only have 
not everybody would actually have bullets in their gun so that some were rubber and it was a way for the people who would be doing the execution not to really know who was the person who killed him like literally who who pulled the trigger kind of thing even though they were all even though they all did it was sort of there was no there was no definitive way to know whose weapon it came from. I find it really ironic that um, there's so much discussion about uh, humanely ending a life of someone who did absolutely horrific things. Now, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. saying that people should be tortured or anything like that, but there's so much discussion that goes into that um, that part of me says, well, you know, they look what they did. And the other part of me is like, no, 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 I'm we're, we're humane human beings here we can't (laughs) we can't go to where they go but i find that a really interesting um discussion just in 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 itself it is and it's really um it's a very moral discussion too of that we know that ending other people's lives is not is is wrong um you know unless that even in cases of people who that happens in self-defense they still struggle with it with that but when we look at some of the, well, the people who are in this book, that they, you know, their victims weren't allotted, like, last meals or things like that. And they were, most of them were killed in really awful ways, too. And many yeah. of them, younger people, too, just yeah. because, um, you know, many times serial killers tend to, or, you know, criminals who commit murder will tend to plan victims who, you know, they won't know that they're missing. They're younger you know, they're more easily manipulated. Um, that's why many times people who are in the sex work sex work industry are many times the ones who suffer at the hands of serial killers because uh-huh. they're an easier they're an easier target. And they're already bigger. They're already um, you know you just you don't wake up one day and say I'm going to go um, become a prostitute. I, you know something has no. led to that, and so they're already victims to begin with, and then. You know, further than they're they're victimized even further and and killed, and then I find a hard time saying, okay, well, let's find a humane way of of putting this, you know, of executing this person. Some people are so are very against executions to begin with, and again, we we won't get into it too much because that's a whole other moral ethical discussion. Right. And uh, right. But um, you know, my, again, my wife asked me this morning, do you believe in capital punishment? Do you believe in in the death penalty? And I said. Really, it depends on who it is. Uh-huh. You know, like, yeah, I can't I, answer that. I yeah. mean, I'm a very passionate person about stuff. And if I think about uh, a, a, a serial killer pedophile, I'm going to be like, just do it. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely people like that in here. Yeah, it's definitely a very difficult question because I get asked that a lot, too, just with the nature of the book. And, um, you know, my answer is typically no, um, I don't think that it's an appropriate method of punishment. However, a lot of those things are dependent on who, what the situation is. I think if that was someone I loved or something like that, my answer would probably be different. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of us have the ability to put some distance between ourselves and those types of things, but thankfully most people are not, um, is rare to find yourself in a situation that is someone that, that you know and love, but it does happen. And I think that answers can be different. It's just, you know, there's, it's a, that's, it's a tricky thing, I think. Well, and there's innocent people that have been murdered, that have been executed. And that's a big one for me. Like, what if the person's innocent? They're already in prison right. and now they're executed and they're, they're, they're innocent. And then again, um, I, I want to be a humane, um, you know, person. I'm, I'm a nurse. I'm a, a retired yeah. nurse. So that part of me goes, no, no, no. We we can't. I can't think that way. Then the other part of me, like I right. said, um, it depends on the case, really. It depends on the case, yeah. And it's tricky because you know you just you don't. It's hard to. It's, sometimes I think that it is hard to say. Like it does depend on the case, um, and uh, you know, and that is why they have um, within cases that you that have with capital crimes that are death penalty cases within those states that still have it. Not everyone who's, who is tried for a capital crime means that they're going to get the death penalty. I mean, it does. It, it truly, I think, sometimes is reserved for the most heinous types of crimes. Um, that being said, are there innocent people? There, there definitely are. Are there more people who aren't innocent? I mean, that would be hard for me to 
say. Yeah. But, um, you know, with things like the Innocence Project, with some of the different types of organizations that are out there that are looking at more scientific facts within those cases, to, I mean, I think that sometimes there are people who come out of being that they were innocent, but, but not always. And so it can, you know, I think it does, there has to be some significant doubt I think. Oh, for sure. There's, there's something else that came up that I, again, I think I'm going to cover on, on my show is, um, the case, is it, um, Ricky Wrecker? Uh, what's his name? He, it's one of the killers in, in, um, in the book here. He, what's his name? Oh, is that Ricky Ray, Ricky Ray Rector? Yeah. So what made me yeah. think here, it led, it led me down a path of he's a hor- like horrible do- person that did horrible things. And at the end, he ends up shooting himself in the head and um, surviving with major frontal lobe yeah. damage. So I started thinking mm-hmm. about it and going, hmm, what if the person that you were and then something like this happens and what you are now are different? How do, you, mm-hmm. how do you try that? <laughs> yeah, and that case is so... Ricky Rector's case is one that I think about sometimes. There's another person here named Joel, it's Joel Arity that I think about as well. Um, because Ricky Rector had a really... Like, he, he killed quite a few people. Um, and it was... You know, and then with the frontal lobe damage. And he was not... He, I mean, he had brain... Like, significant brain damage. Um, they tried to object on it to avoid going to trial, but he was not... They, he was still convicted, obviously, and sentenced to death. What was happening at the time, too, is this was in the early 90s. And um, it was at the time when Bill Clinton was the governor of Arkansas. That's when he was running for president. Uh, so it became and political. There was, yeah, that he really wanted to show that he... And that was at the time where, like, there was the whole kind of... Ver- like, the whole... Like, like, saying of, like, people being soft on crime. That was, you know, shortly after the big war on drugs, like all of those types of things that were happening. And I think that, you know, even now, would that have gone how it was? I don't think so. But I think at the time it was almost an option for a a political stance, which was really too bad because he couldn't even, he didn't have even the kind of wherewithal that he was going to be executed when, um, and so he, you know, he really, that was a struggle. I think that had that happened now, um, I don't think that would have gone the same way. It, it, the, yeah, and it falls. I mean, there's people that have ex- like very low IQ, so have you know intellectual, um, you know, I don't I don't like using the word disability, but for for I'm using it now um, that commit these crimes, and you know, at, at what point do you go? You know, maybe they could stand trial, but can we look at it? I mean, it's again, it's that whole moral and ethical issue of like, how do we try someone over here differently from someone over here? But in the case of of, of the man that you were talking about, I mean, Ricky Ray uh, Rector, is it Ricky Ray Rector? Yeah. Triple R. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it was just a case that made me go, hmm, what if you are different for some reason? than for a physical reason that happens to you. It could be brain cancer. It could be uh, amnesia. It could be, I mean, that could be easily faked too. But I just think, you know, get it. that's that's just, that's a tough one right there. So what? Yeah, and it, yeah, it really is. Cause there's, and there's a couple in here that did, that, that have like, um, Joe already had mental illness and also a very low IQ. I mean, he was almost childlike in a sense that they're, yeah. that, now and that was in like that was in um the that was in the 1930s when that happened so way before any type of i mean there was no mental health awareness at that time or you know anything like that um and he it is pretty somewhat widely accepted now that his confession was probably false at the time that he gave it and that he didn't really know what he was doing and so when he his he actually like his he just asked for vanilla ice cream for his last meal, and actually, it's his recipe that's on the cover of the book. Okay. Was he the one that uh, that also said he's going to save something for later, some food for that later? Was Ricky, that was Ricky Ray Rector that said that. Yeah, so that shows you that he really yeah. didn't get it, right? Like this is your last meal, yeah. but you're going to save that for. That shows cognitively he really right. wasn't getting it. So, no, he really wasn't, and that was his pecan pie, and that's what we made. That's what I made for the book 
was a pecan pie. There's a pecan pie recipe in there, or because that was what he set aside to eat later. And so and just really didn't have the wherewithal to understand what was happening to him. And I, that, that's the other thing that, that I love about this book. As I was going through it, like I was like, mm, look at that recipe. I'm making that. I love that. I'm hungry. And then I look at what the person did, and I'm like, whoa, okay. honestly this one made me sad this one made me really angry Mm, that delicious is fantastic I mean that looks delicious and fantastic (laughs) so Mm -hmm. you put me through a whole bunch of emotions Ashley I know I know that's what I I do I love it but yeah his was really it was his was very sad I mean and so there's really a big mixture of people in here like I have the people who were inspired um the true crime book in cold blood which was truman capote's book like yeah. they're in here as well um and so there really is a big mixture of people from all over because like people who don't commit horrible crimes people who do commit horrible crimes they're not all they're very they're not all john wayne gacy and ted Bundy. like yeah. they're very different types of people um and different types of crimes really and you can see that even across like of the different types of crimes that were ultimately given capital punishment as they're, you know, for their, um, after they were convicted, but there really is quite a big variation of people. Um, some people killed one person, some people, um, like John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy killed a lot more yeah. people. And a much more, I think, um, I mean, how do you compare murder to murder to murder? But I think you can. You, I mean, yeah. shooting someone. I mean, I'm not the victim here, and I'm not the victim's family, so um, no disrespect is, is meant here. But, I mean, if we look at it, like, critically, you have someone that killed someone, say, in a gas station and killed somebody, and they were a drug addict versus somebody who is John Wayne Gacy and methodically went through and chose peop- chose young men and yep. raped and tortured them and buried them under yeah, his basement. That's very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for years, too, like, right? Like, for years, and days, that for years. And there are people who are relatively young, too. They're kind of from all different age groups, too. Like, I write it, but wrote about Francis Crowley. Yes. He's like he sort of like a 1930s gangster type, and, you know, he... Um, he is one of the younger people that's been executed, executed at the age of 19, that so, that uh yes that's an incredibly young um and i know there's yeah. a, again the whole thing of someone who commits a crime when they're 14 now they're 40 mm-hmm. do they still get right. life you know like i mean i don't want to be the one making decisions on that and again <laughs> you know i look at it again you have to look at it from each case is so incredibly different than the next i just think sometimes the across the board black and white decisions on some things don't always fit right yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think that's why we see it come under the scrutiny that it does too is that it's really hard to make policy at such a high level when things can really be it, there's so many moving pieces for this type of thing well i mean the three strike law i think or a rule or whatever you, you get three felonies that's it you're, you're done for life do i have it right because i mean i'm canadian so I may not, I, I don't know your laws. Uh, I don't know. I don't actually know. Um, it could be. But um, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, our, um, here in Canada, obviously, there's, there's no death penalty here. Um, right. And I think that sometimes, more than sometimes, we're too lenient on some of the, you know, uh, on some of the these these killers, for instance, Carla Homolka, Carla Homolka, and um, yep. she she got out of, out after twelve years. And yeah, she, and she she was the one right with the, the sister. Is that correct? Is that the my thinking of the yeah. right case with that one? She tortured yep. and, okay. and and murdered her yep. sister and with her boy with her boyfriend with right? Paul Bernard, Bernardo. That. Yeah, and yeah. so he's yeah. he's got life. Okay, good. That's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you're away for life, but she gets out after 12 years. And I, I think she was the the brainchild behind all of it. I really do, do believe if they hadn't come together, I don't know. They thought pa- Paul Bernardo was the Scarborough rapist. So he'd been doing that for years oh, and yeah. years. So then they meet. It's like the perfect storm. And um, I mean, they're both guilty. But for, for she me, she, she's, she's now she's living somewhere. I think, uh, is it Quebec? 
and she's married and she has kids. And so I'm not exactly impressed with, uh, <laughs> we're, we're just, um, I think we're too lenient at times, uh, with, with some of the sentences that people are, are given. So, you know, um, what's the happy medium? I don't know. Some countries you get 25 years is considered life and then you're, you're allowed out. It's, um, and I don't think that's long enough for, for cases like, you know, well, I mean, one of our worst here is a guy by the name of Clifford Olson. Have you ever heard of him? Um, I don't know. I don't think I know that. No. Um, obviously we couldn't make a, uh, a last meal book here in Canada because we don't do <laughs> He was, if I'm remembering correctly, is he, he's a child killer. Right? Yes. Like he killed yes. children. Is he, okay. He's considered yeah. one of the worst that, that ever happened in Canada. This happened back, uh, like along, like in the seventies. Okay. But, um, you know, like he's I said, dead now. He's, yeah. he's, dead, he's dead now. For, right. Yeah. Okay. And then the more recent one, Bruce MacArthur, um, but he he killed um, a bunch of gay men. Um, okay. And he was more of our, our recent ones. But, you know, I just, I hold out and see how long are they actually going to be in there for? And, you know, uh, hopefully they'll never get out. But uh, sometimes that doesn't, it doesn't roll that way. And it's, it's frustrating. But. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, this is great talking to you. I love talking to people uh, about true crime stuff. Thank you. And don't make me feel Thank like um, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> no, there's so many, and you know, there's so many different types of true crime too. And there's, you know, the American true crime, like there's also like, you know, Canada, like Europe, there's so many different, because each sort of area has like their kind of well-known cases. And it's always interesting to talk about the different. It makes me, ones. because I mean, I know, um, obviously, I mean, being in North America, I it, the American cases I'm very well read on. I mean, there's obviously there's a whole ton I don't know about, and I know about here in Canada. But I wonder is there is it a more of a North American thing serial killers? Um, I know we're talking about different crimes here in your book, but I, I start to think, or maybe it's just because we we're not in that country. We're not, um, you know, we don't know as much by not being there. Whereas Canada and the U.S., we're, you know, right on top of each other. We know, every, you know, a lot of each other's uh, business. But, um, I mean, I wonder if there's just as many in the U.K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the U.K., I think, has their fair share of, like, of, and, you know, it's interesting in the United States, too, of where there's kind of these, where we have more serial killers, it almost seems like. Because sometimes there's some regionality to it, I think, too. Like, when I look kind of at a map of where looking at, I mean, there's a lot in the South, also over in, um, like, the, in the, for a while in the California area, too. So it's mm-hmm. kind of interesting to think about, you know, where, and part, partially I've always thought that some of it has to do with, which sounds weird, but some of it probably has to do with weather, which is a really strange thing to say. I realized that, like... No, I was thinking that. I'm like, I think it's the heat. <laughs> yeah, the heat, or, like, people aren't outside in the winter, as much like you don't have accessibility to people in the same it's way it's true you're in an area where people are outside year-round more often i so i think I that's think. an absolute like what yes that makes absolute sense as as strange as it means seem it's really not that strange because you're right you're bundled up in winter coats walk you know mm-hmm. for a big portion of the year yeah. whereas it's always hot there or mild decent weather so for sure do you want to um do you want to talk about uh, your book and your and your blog and, and different things like that so people can know where to, to find you and the amazing things that you're doing? Yeah, so you can find the Serial Killer Cookbook. It's Barnes & Noble, Amazon, all of, like, you can purchase online. Um, and so, great for Christmas gifts. I know a lot of people who have told me they've bought it as, like, a housewarming type of gift because it's, like, a really nice kind of coffee table read, too. It is. <laughs> It's a good conversation starter. Um, and so, yeah, and I, you know, and I had a really great editor for this book, too. I worked with Claire from, who works with Ulysses Press, and she's awesome. Like, uh, just kind of going through, because anyway, you write these books, you do a lot of edits, you do a lot of proofing and wanting to make sure your language is accessible to people. And with food books, you know, wanting to 
um, bring our my readers in, but like not, I wanting to make sure that I'm giving them enough details on different crimes, but also like not completely grossing them out too. <laughs> like so. the vampire, the vampire ones. Yes, yes. And I also, you know, when I wrote this book, I also, um, there are not a lot of child predators in this book. There's some. But I did steer away from that a little bit because just having children myself, like that's a, sometimes those are a little bit harder ones to work through, I think. Yeah. I, one of the worst ones, I think, for me personally, when I had to research and write about was probably William Bonin. Yes. Who was like the quintessential, like, scary man with a van type yes. of person in kidnapping children. And so, um, so I don't have quite as many of them in there. So there's definitely, there's definitely room for a volume two someday, maybe. So, um, but I am also, besides writing this book, I'm also a blogger. I've done that for about 10 years, actually. And I have a blog called Cheese Curd in Paradise. And I do... You had me at Cheese Curd. <laughs> yes. I know. We, uh, like, because you guys, Canada, you guys have, like, it's funny because in other regions, um, people aren't as familiar with, like, the cheese curd in the same way. Oh, we're in Canada. It's, it's a big thing. would be Yes, and here too, like the squeaky ones, not just the fried ones, but like the squeaky oh, good ones. The squeaky good ones um, are the best. Cause, yeah, because like where I live, that's like a big, like you can get cheese curds almost anywhere. Like they sell them at the gas station. Yeah, same. Like yeah. <laughs> if so, you're in Quebec area, like you're going to find cheese curds everywhere. Yes, and that's how it is here too. And sometimes when people are like, why are the cheeses? Like, no, they're delicious. Like they're great. Fry them. You can eat them like right out of the fridge where they're delicious. You can... You know, if you're lucky, I remember when I worked for the House of, when I worked for the House of Representatives way back, we had a guy who used to come in with these giant Ziploc bags of fresh cheese curds that he oh. grabbed that morning and would bring them in these huge bags for us. It was the best. Eat them like popcorn, so, right? Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I focus on like, um, like family, fr- like family friendly comfort food types of recipes. I do a lot of seasonal types of things for holidays too. Like right now I'm in quarter four for the year. And so it's always like in the blogging world, that's like our big time of year where it lowers lots of lots of traffic and so I do that and sometimes I'll do some ghost writing and stuff for other people and so things like that very so, cool do you develop your own recipes I do yep I, I develop and I photograph everything on my own so. wow that's impressive so it's called yeah, so it's a, can you just say what it's called again um, it's called Cheese Curd in Paradise. There we go. You guys have to check it out. It's it's incredible. It seems like everything you publish and put out is a winner. Oh, thank you. I try. I try. <laughs> well, you <Right>. succeed. <laughs> well, thank you so much and for... I, uh, sorry. Sorry. Is there anything else you want to... Because I want people to go out and, and find you and and find everything. I, yeah. Um, I, they can find me on my site. I have links to the book from my from my site, um, affiliate links from there to Amazon. I also um, like I work with other like like to go on other like true crime podcasts like Heather, who you talked about before from Nature versus Narcissism. And we've done some separate episodes outside of that too, talking about um, a Green Bay murder in particular in our area that I have linked on there too. So if people are curious about that one, wicked, pretty. Um, group, uh, Wisconsin does not have the death penalty, so none of them are capital cases, but in the way where they can have the death penalty. But um, so, yeah, so it's, so that's a, another one that you can find. I have all of that linked on my site too. I'm just so um, happy that you're able to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love talking about true crime. About hey, book, maybe me, you, and, and Heather, we can do something together sometime. That would be. I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> okay, well, I'm just putting you on the spot here, making up a whole other episode. But I don't know if you. I would love to have you on the show again someday if you if you're open to it. Maybe. I'd love to. Yep, and I've I've done that with other like you know that is before. If there's like episodes I can that like I can comment on or help with or things like that. I always enjoy doing that. Well, I mean, because I specifically well pretty much mostly do medical true crime. So um, I always like yeah. talking to people about those cases because you don't hear about them as much. They're not as like, quote unquote, no. sexy as other cases because, you know, they almost seem more sterile sometimes um, just because, you know, they often take place within the hospital or related to that. But uh, I personally think doctors and nurses are the most dangerous serial killers out there. Um, right, because we trust them the most. 
I yeah, we trust them the most. And right? we know we know what to do. I know what, I'm not a serial killer. I would I mean I would never hurt a, a, a person. I mean, unless I had to defend myself kind of thing, but in terms of caring for people, we're in a position of trust and care. We're there to help you. But we also know how to like grab something very simple that could end your life. <laughs> like it sounds terrible, but like insulin or potassium and these people go after the most sick. So right, it looks like natural death. So that's why I think they're the most dangerous. Um, pardon me. Is it the angels of death? Isn't that the term they typically use for like the medical serial? Is that what they use the killers who are in the, like that medical career? They call them like angels of death. Sometimes is that what they say? Yeah, some of them are because they think that uh, yeah. they'll say that they're doing it to put people out of misery. But there's plenty of them that just do it because they're sick and twisted. So you know, I'm thinking of one in particular because there's the oh, what is it? He's the one who. Um, he was the one the, with the, the Munchausen by pro, syndrome by proxy. That was, oh, what was it? Richard Angelo? Is that one of the? Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah, I've got this page of this list that I just check off as I as I go down. Um, that uh, that there's there's so many of them out there. So, uh, you know, I just have to keep going with this podcast so I can get through them. Hopefully, there won't be too many right. new ones. <laughs> But uh, yes. well, so thank you for for being on the show today. I really appreciate it, and hopefully we can do this um, sometime soon. Yeah, uh, send me a let me know. Feel free to contact me anytime. Okay, thank you. That was a lot of fun. I totally enjoyed that interview. So I was thinking about something. What I'm picturing in my mind is a a Zoom meeting with people that listen to the show. And each person has made a recipe from the Serial Killer Cookbook. And we meet and we eat whatever recipe we chose and we discuss true crime. So it'll be a virtual true crime buffet conference. So I'm going to post this information on the Facebook group. And if you're not on it, it is STAT, Shocking Traumas and Treatments, go figure, Facebook group. And like I said, I'm going to put some information out there, see if we've got enough people that want to be involved, and I think it'll be a lot of fun. So let's see if this goes anywhere. And I talked to Ashley after the after I stopped recording, and she may just be interested in being a part of this as well. Tell me what you guys think. So that's the end of today's show. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who listens, everybody who supports me on Patreon. Those of you that leave iTunes reviews, feel free to continue to do that. I love getting them. And to remember to take care of yourself, take care of one another, and most importantly, take care of yourself. Peace. One love.